Well, today on Your Story with Melinda, I have a great guest for you. And we're going to be talking all about pineapples, scripture verses, shoes, fashion, media, how to be a confident woman, regrets that you may have had in your childhood, and how to be overall happy and joyous in living. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. Well, she's a TV host, a web host, a podcaster, an international speaker, and a blogger. That's a lot of stuff too. She's amazing. You're going to learn so much from her. She'll inspire you to live your best life. And my guest today on Your Story with Melinda is me. Well, this has never happened before, ever, in the history of your story with Melinda. So I'm a little nervous. I am a professional, but I'm nervous because today is all about me. (laughs) You're asking me questions, or I've actually gotten a number of questions from you, our viewers and listeners, uh, about questions of the show, topics, and personal questions. And so for the next 35,000 minutes, you're going to hear all about me and about me. So get ready. Actually, I'm really excited because you guys uh, sent in some really thoughtful, interesting questions for me to answer for the next while. And hopefully it inspires you. And I'm so glad that you're connecting and watching the show. So here we go. And at the very end of the show, I have to say this before we start, there are some really fun questions too that I think you're really going to enjoy. But starting with our first question from Jennifer Lynn on Facebook, who wrote in asking me this question, how did you get your start in media? Did you have any fears to overcome and how? And what advice would you give others in the beginning stages of media and the arts? Jennifer Lynn, it's a great question. So I have to go way, way, way back, not too far back, but in the country of the Philippines, in a place called FEBC, the Far East Broadcasting Company. And at three years old, um, I started doing radio with my dad for the Children's Bible Hour. So I was the voice in the beginning that said, hi, boys and girls, welcome to the Children's Bible Hour. And that was my voice being heard across Southeast Asia and all over the place. So that was when I was three years old. But if I really start thinking media, it was actually when in my uh, mid-20s, when I started working at World Vision Canada, and I was in charge of the 30-hour famine, I'm engaging young people all across Canada. And media outlets were coming to me saying, why are kids wanting to make a difference in the world? Why are kids not eating for 30 hours um, so that they can help other kids in other countries? And so I actually had to get media training on how to speak and share on radio and on TV. And so that was sort of my first, um, you know, start of media. And then I got involved in Listen Up TV, where I was a Christian reporter. From there, I went into Full Circle, a woman's show, and now I'm I'm doing lots of different uh, media now. Now, what advice would I give others in the beginning stages? Oh, wait, did I have any fears to overcome? Yes. Now, I don't know if this is just a woman thing, but some of the fears were, I always was nervous, number one, that I would sound intelligent and that I would look professional but also really engaged because sometimes when you're thinking in your head you you get lost in your head about what you're going to say and you forget kind of what your face looks like uh what your countenance your body language and so every time Jennifer I would start 
an interview, I was always sort of thinking too much and overthinking. And a couple times when I'd watch back old interviews, I looked horrible. I looked scared. I was really frigid. It was so awkward. So the best advice I got about media was be yourself, be engaged, uh, look into the camera, look like you're talking to a best friend as you share. And depending on if it's a news story, obviously there's a professionalism, but when it's something like this, like a podcast or a radio show, uh, you always think like you're talking uh, to a friend in a conversation so that there's more warmth. Um, That would be the advice. That would be the fears to overcome. But I would just say be yourself. Um, Read up and study who you're interviewing. Um, Look at and watch people that you really respect in the media world. And in a way, there's some things that I mimic of some of – some of the greatest interviewers and women in media today. Um, I've watched like Oprah to Katie Couric to Barbara Walters to one of our Canadians in the, a while ago, Barbara Frum. And I would watch them and see how they interacted with people. So that's my advice to you, Jennifer Lynn. Thank you so much for writing in on Facebook. Second question. What advice? Oh, this is from Natasha Tony Jarvis. She wrote in from Facebook. What advice would you give to a younger version of yourself? And then she says, let's say your preteen self. This is a bit more of a serious one, Natasha. I think one of the uh, big points of advice I'd give to my younger version of myself is when I look back at my life now, I think one of the biggest regrets of my life is how I was very disobedient and... Yeah, uh, to my parents. I think when I think about my younger years, one of the biggest regrets I have is just the pain I put my parents through. Um, Wanting, I guess, to be independent, wanting to feel like I had freedom, feeling like they were squashing my freedom. And so I was not a good girl in my teenage years. I call it my prodigal years. And so my advice to my younger self would be, You know, I think respect, listen to my parents, give my parents a lot more grace. They were learning to be parents of teenagers. They had never done it before. So I think I should have given them a lot more grace. I think one of the things, too, is not to get swayed by people who were not good for me. Um, I think coming into Canada as a Filipino girl and not feeling like I fit in, I immediately was attracted to the people who were cool. And with that, at that time, was, it was about drugs and drinking and partying and boys. And so I got kind of like swept into that. And when I look back, I, it was just because I was so insecure and so lonely, I sort of gravitated to the things that would kind of make me feel better about myself. And it didn't. So I'd say to any young person, you know, don't get, you know, swept into that illusion of escapism and those things. They are not going to help you. Um, and as you know, as a Christian, the only thing that really helped me and helps me now is my faith in Jesus and my community. So I would say, Natasha, my preteen self, love your parents, give them lots of grace, and be yourself and don't conform to what everybody is asking of you um, because then you'll never truly be yourself and give yourself the opportunity um, that God is wanting for you in your life. So that's what I would say. Number three, this is a really important one, from Lori Hartshorn who was a past guest here on Your Story with Melinda, wrote in, Melinda, how many pairs of shoes do you own? (laughs) Lori, Lori, Lori. Well, I can say this. I have more than five pairs of shoes, 
and less than 300. So I hope that answers your questions and um, about my shoes. So thank you for that thoughtful question, former guest, Lori Hartshorn. All right, now we get into a few more serious topics that were written in again via Facebook. And this one is from Stacy Brown. It's a bit longer um, and it's gonna require a little bit more of a response from me and thought, but she wrote this in and uh, here we go. It says, hi, Melinda. Every Christian in today's society faces subtle repetitive attacks from the enemy. I'm talking about the line between sharing God's love with others and the world's constant call for us to be tolerant and accepting. I believe there's a slippery slope here. For example, in the film industry, since the beginning, it has increasingly shown more and more violence, bad language, etc. Here's the question from Stacy. Do we as Christians accept and continue to watch these films? What if the subject is loving and helping those in need in a way that is sort of keeping with God's will? Now comes the question. Okay, Stacy, I thought that was the question, but now there's another question. Now comes the question. If this is difficult to do in one's private life, how do you as a public figure, especially in communications and broadcasting, deal with this? Whew. Stacy Brown, that's a good question. So first of all, you want to know, do we as Christians accept and continue to watch these films? Here's my thought. And very honestly, Stacy, I think it's a lot to do with your own discernment. In some past shows that I've done um, over the years on your Earth Melinda, we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit guiding you and directing you as well as being in community for accountability. And I would say, to be honest, um, in some areas of film and media, uh, there are people all across the board in their faith journey that will discern and decide if this is good um, for them, this film, this show, and for others, it could look completely different. It could be um, yes, and for some it could be no. And so I would say for me personally, uh, there are certain kinds of genres of films I stay away from, i.e. horror and scary things. Um, for some that I know where there's a lot of sexual or graphic content, I will not watch it. And also there are movies where I have started watching and I felt in my spirit it's not good and so I've turned it off. So I would say in, in that case, um, it's really asking God to just sort of direct you and speak to you. Now, I've had a um, pastor mentor talk about this uh, when so many people said, you know, you can't watch certain movies. It's not good for your kids to watch. And yet what he has said is that, you know, we understand that um, maybe topically or theme, it might not be Christian. But what he says is that he thinks it's important that if there is a movie or a show, say on Netflix or whatever, that your kids are wanting to watch or you want to watch, um, that it's important that you say, okay, but we'll sit as a family and watch it. And as we watch it, we're going to discuss it and talk about what's not good, what is good. Um, as a father, I'll turn off parts I don't think are good. But also afterwards, we're going to have a discussion about what's the redemptive part of this movie. Uh, what is not what we as a Christian family believe in? And I think that's really healthy because I think a lot of times in Christian media, we say, no, and we do a big X and we just cut it off versus what can we learn from it? What can we discuss about it? And what can we learn about culture and communicating and connecting with a culture that might not be of the same faith? So I think that's really important. Um, I hope that answered your question, Stacy. The next one is, 
in my private life, if this is difficult in one's private life, how do you as a public figure in communications and broadcasting deal with this? I think um, I answered that in that um, I have a great husband who I have accountability with. I have a great community of girlfriends that I share with on things from not just media, but life and decisions who help formulate and form um, good conversations and discussions with me if I have trouble saying, I can't really discern, I don't really know about this. And they say, Mel, this is our thoughts. So I really believe that this is a bigger conversation, Stacy. that this kind of discerning about media, about what we should see, about being in the world, but not being of the world, as we see in scripture, is a lot about the Holy Spirit and discernment, about ensuring that you're in community with accountability. And I think as I get older, uh, just knowing what's good for me. I know that when I walk away from a really bad film, book, whatever it is, um, my spirit, my body, my emotions aren't good. They're not tracking well. I don't feel good. I know the kind of content that makes me feel great, i.e. inspirational podcasts. And um, I just know that I will gravitate and what I need in my life is really good um, spiritually um, and creative great content to help me. So I hope that answered the question. It was long, but I hope it answered the question. All right, next. Okay, number five. From Leslie Ann Taylor and Mavette Augustine, uh, they wrote in because they both wanted some advice on dating for mature Christian women. Their question was, how can we manage dating expectations while keeping our eyes on Jesus and trusting his timing? How can we manage dating expectations while keeping our eyes on Jesus and trusting his timing as a mature Christian woman? Wow, that is a big question. Um, First, I just want to say I am not necessarily a dating expert, relationship expert, Leslie Ann and Yvette, but I'm going to do my best. So I will say this, and you know this from shows past on Your Story with Melinda. So after my divorce, um, I had... um, time uh, to date and to connect with gentlemen and I guess I would say one thing I don't know if I did it perfectly well I don't know first of all um, I hid away I didn't want to date or see any men after to be honest after my divorce Um, but I realized that later that I was just gonna you know kind of go out and 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 not look for here's the thing actually let me say this I think one of the things I've heard from men especially even older men is that they can sniff out and they know when a woman is on the prowl, when they are looking for a guy and when they're needy or or really wanting it. And I don't want to say this to women, but I find a couple things. Um, number one, men really love confidence. Men really love women who are doing their own thing, that are confident in themselves, are kind of on their trajectory, focused on their passions, focused on work. I, I've been told by many men, that they always stay away from women who they know are just wanting to get into a relationship, that feel like they need a man to complete them, that they need a man to feel better about themselves. And men are pretty smart. They can sniff that out. So the first thing I would say, whether you are a mature Christian woman or not, is that you need to, if you don't feel that way, number one, confidence. 
and self-esteem. If we're having trouble with self-esteem, who we are, not feeling confident about ourselves, and that's, I think, the first step. It's never, I find, about the man and getting the man. It's about yourself first. So let's start getting this healthy, you. Self-esteem, confidence, purpose, and passion. Because I'll tell you this. So I've never gone on online dating. I have never had to go after a guy. I've just gone after life. I've gone after the passions that I've, I've wanted. I've gone after achievements I've desired. I've traveled. I've done the stuff that I've loved and I felt that God was calling me to do. And in that journey, I have met men along the way. And so I think that's the key. And maybe that's my answer versus something very specific. I think the answer is get healthy, get whole, be passionate, be strong, be confident, be excited about life. And if you need the help, then go to a Christian counselor, therapist, go to a great church and get community. And then I feel that um, men uh, will want to hang out with you, will want to date you. And that's not just for mature Christians, that's for all ages. So I hope that answered your question. Now, I also, thank you, though, Leslie Ann and Mavette for that. I, I really thank you for um, being honest about that and sending that along to me. Now, I know also that there are a couple themes that uh, some of you wrote into me that you would love to see on Your Story with Melinda. Um, one from Catherine Barrow said that she'd like to see a show on self-esteem and abusive relationships and that we need to bring these topics in, into the open, especially about abusive relationships. So um, thank you, Catherine. I'll look into that and, and, and hopefully we'll do a show uh, in the future about abusive relationships, about how to um, deal with those emotional needs and scars and healing in that area. So thank you for bringing that to my attention, Catherine. And again, in the future, um, I'm hoping to do a show on that. Next, Kyla Lyle um, asked about this topic for your story with Melinda. Um, Could you do a show on knowing you're enough in a world that constantly wants us to feel like we are never enough? Kyla, that is a big one. Knowing you're enough in a world that constantly wants us to feel like we are never enough. That's a big show. I hope some of my shows have kind of touched on that because I feel like, again, this is about a healthy sense of self. Um, I feel that this topic, that you're not enough in the world uh, when the world wants you to be more, I hope that some of my topics have talked a lot about passion, confidence, purpose um, about life. And I think the only way that we can do this is in a relationship with, with Jesus because the world will constantly either bring you down, just go on Instagram, just go onto all of uh, social media. And of course, you're going to feel horrible because everybody looks like they have the perfect life because they have the best filters on their pictures. But what I found as a, as a woman in my own faith, Kyla, is that I was so into that. I was a people pleaser. I have to really battle that every day. I wanted to be loved and known. So I would perform. I was like a chameleon. I could be anybody people wanted me to be. That's exhausting, managing, being fake. So I think with this, and then, and again, maybe I will do a specific show on this in the future, but that it's going to be about knowing who you are in Christ, being confident who you are, and to be honest, in a way, not caring what people think. I'm tired of managing other people's emotions and what they think about me. I want to be me. And at this stage in life, um, I hope that I'm getting there to be that kind of strong woman. So Kyla and Catherine, thank you so much. 
um, for sending that in. Now, I have these other questions here that um, are interesting, that are kind of um, getting to know me more. And I haven't seen these questions. These were kind of like sent to me. Um, and here we go. I'm going to try to answer them. They're supposed to be fast, but they might be a little bit more tricky um, with some of them. So seven questions about me. <laughs> What's your favorite childhood movie? Oh, man. My favorite childhood movie, I think, and I would say child, maybe I was uh, younger teen, I can't remember, but was E.T. I loved E.T. Um, that was when I first was introduced to Steven Spielberg and that whole thing about E.T., phone home and finger like this. and I mean, and the beauty of it, love E.T., probably one of my favorite childhood movies. Okay, next. Who are my fashion influences? Ah! Oh, man. Okay, so, okay. Um, my favorite model growing up ever was Cindy Crawford. Um, my absolute favorite, I loved everything about her, the mole. I can't remember what side. The famous mole, her clothing. Now her daughter, Kaya, is now a famous model, and she looks exactly like her mom. Loved um, Cindy Crawford. But fashion influences, honestly, Vogue. Every girl, the big Vogue edition in the fall, Vogue magazine, flip through that, look through Vogue, and would just dream about the clothing. But also got to know my own fashion sense um, from <laughs> Vogue. Oh, man. Okay, number three. What are three things that make you happy? Oh, man. Okay. Again, I haven't seen these. I was just about to say, I guess I should say my husband, Chris. Okay, I should, let me, hold on. Maybe they'll edit that out. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say, I should say. Chris makes me happy. <laughs> uh, my stepkids, Nathan and Sophie, being with family really makes me happy. There's a great joy in family. And so that makes me happy. Oh, this is, sounds really vain and shallow. But a good sale at the mall. I know, a good sale. A good sale, two for one. 70% off, those things do make me happy. It does sound shallow. Number three, um, really what makes me happy, a really great worship song. Um, uh, when I'm at church or even in the car, a great worship song that just lifts my soul. And a lot of times when I have been down and it's been really tough days, I just um, old school put in a CD. <laughs> I do. I'm old school. I put in a CD. I still buy CDs. Yes, I do. And I play it, and that makes me really happy. But I could go on. Beautiful sunsets, um, travel, lots of things. Lots of things make me happy. You know what it is? There are certain, there are specific things that make you happy, but I think that my goal has been to generally be a happy person. Like, when you have that kind of outlook, then everything in life makes you happy. I, I don't want that to sound in any way weird but I just find that many things small things now make me happy bring me joy and so one of the things I'm hoping to become more of is a joy-filled person a joy-filled woman so that life in itself when I go into any situation I find great joy and happiness there okay number four what's your go-to comfort food oh man um um I would say this Korean food um, pork in bone soup, one of my favorites. Bulgogi, I love. I also love Vietnamese food. Go to pho. Um, <laughs> and really lots of Asian food. Um, also comfort food, bubble tea. Taro with the little, little like pearl gushy things at the bottom of a bubble tea. 
I love. Oh, and also pierogies homemade from my mother. Should I go on? I could name a ton of restaurants that bring me great joy for their great food. But those would be my comfort foods. Oh, number five. Is there a quote or phrase that you read or have heard of that inspires you? I'm just going to reach down here because my phone, hold on. Okay, my phone is right here, and I do have a quote. I have many quotes, but this one I love, and it's from the Bible. It's a scripture verse that I absolutely love, and so here it is. Isaiah 54.10, it says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. One of my favorite verses, because... Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed. It means something that's out of the ordinary, something that never happened. So when I think of my life with tragedy, loss, and despair, this verse brings me hope. Because it says, the God, the Lord says, those things may happen. Unexpected things may happen. A divorce, a death, challenges in life. But my unfeeling love for you will never be shaken and my covenant of peace will not be removed from you. So I know in all of those circumstances in my life, God's love for me will always be, and his peace will cover me and be with me forever, and God has compassion on me. This is the one I love, because when I was a bit of a messed up girl in my prodigal years, and when I think back of some of the really bad decisions I made in my life, it says, the Lord has compassion on you. There are people that weren't very compassionate on me, were quite judgmental about me in those days. My parents had great compassion and love for me, and I was very hard on myself too. I don't have a lot of compassion for myself either. I'm pretty hard on myself. But what I love about this, it says the Lord has compassion on me, his unfailing love, his peace and compassion. So I would say that's one of my favorite quotes or phrases of all time. Number six, we're almost there. Are you a pineapple on pizza kind of person. Ew! Sorry, I didn't mean to offend all the people that love pineapple. But not that. I love pineapple, but not on pizza. Ugh! I don't, you know what it is? I can't get around sweet on something savory. You know what I mean? I just like savory or sweet. Don't mix it. Don't mix it. That's enough on that. Number seven. <laughs> Great. What is the secret? to finding someone to love. What is it on questions about love? Okay, what is the secret to finding someone to love? I think I said it. Be confident, be passionate in your life. Go and do your life. And as you go, there'll be people that will come along. Oops, I think I put my arm a little too high. But there'll be people that come along and will say, wow, I want to be part of her. I want to be part of her life. I want to be a part of his life because I want to be a part of this energy, passion, confidence, and person who loves Jesus. So I think that that definitely is the secret to finding someone to love. Also, I think too, for a lot of people that I've met, we also need to be open. Here's the thing. Relationships and love take risk. So you open yourself to love and it might not work. There might be a risk. It might not be all that you want. But at least you tried and you risked to find love. So those are the seven questions I did not know I was going to be sent. I hope I answered those for you. And I really encourage you to keep sending me questions. I loved answering these. I hope I did them justice. Thank you so much for taking the time to write me 
on Facebook. But I do need to wrap up and say a couple things. Um, first of all, thanks again for submitting your questions. And you can also leave comments on um, our YouTube channel as well, Your Story with Melinda. If you're listening to the podcast, you can find this in every episode of Your Story with Melinda at youtube.com slash faithstrongtoday, youtube.com slash faithstrongtoday. I'd love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe to the show. I need subscribers. I want more subscribers, so subscribe right now and turn on notifications so you can see and be notified of my next show. And I will see you next week right here on Your Story with Melinda. Thanks again for your questions. Love you all, and we'll see you again soon. Hey, wait, I know the show has ended and all, but could you introduce me to some of your really good friends? Sharing this episode on social media really helps us reach more people, and this story can inspire others to get stronger in their faith. 